You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Well, good morning again. I missed you all last week. I hope you know that. Seriously, I know if you know where I was, everybody's like, oh, you're at the beach. You didn't miss nobody. Okay. I, I really did. I, I do. I miss being here and with you regardless of what I'm doing, where I'm at. Um, Nikki and I had a little time with the kids and did a craft and did our, our thing of just pointing towards Jesus that Sunday morning um, as we did throughout the whole trip of, of uh, the ocean and talking about God with our kids and stuff throughout. But we had our time of, of worship together and, and looking at at that kind of thing in scripture Sunday morning, but sitting there missing being with you guys. And here's why it's, it's, it's not, it's a thing of it's, this isn't just something I do. Okay. It's, it's not that I just do church. Okay. It's not just what, you know, it's good old Southern folk and we, we just, we go to church on Sunday and it's just what kind of what we do and it's religion. It, it's, it's a, it's who I am. Like, even if I wasn't a pastor, I I would want to be in community with believers somewhere because it's about us as a family and uh, just growing together, doing what we'll, I may look at Acts chapter two. I didn't tell them to put that in there, but, you know, just doing life together and having everything in common and helping one another, ministering to each other in the community of believers, but also ministering to our community. And that's kind of the series we're getting into is this C2 community squared. There's the community of believers we're to be in, and then that community reaches out to the broader community, even the world. But it's this isn't just something I do. It's part of who God made us to be. If you're a Christian, God made you to be a part of the church, which is the people, not this building. We don't, the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in temples anymore. There's nothing inherently special about this building like it was at the temple in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit dwells in the believers now, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and, it, and it's us together as believers, as spiritual family, brothers and sisters. I mean, wh- why would you not miss your spiritual family like you do your biological earthly family if, if you're away from them for a while? And I just, after three weeks, it was just kind of like of trips, you know, going to youth camp and then anniversary with my wife and then the family trip is just like you, you you do I miss you guys okay as as much as you harass me at times and so forth I miss you guys but and but I really do being a, a pastor is a calling uh, and if I ever was not a pastor I'd still be a part of a church because that's what it's what Jesus is doing in the world Jesus says on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. It's He's building his church. That's what's going on right now in the world. And so we're to be a part of that. And church is the people. It's what Jesus died for was us, okay? And for his glory so that we could do this together. Because God designed us to be in community with one another. And it's part of who we are who part of who I am okay so I miss you guys when I'm not here um but you know it's hard to let go of the beach of course and come back here you know you want to stay one more day 
it's I couldn't even take my flip-flops off for this morning. I was just like, I'm just going to wear them. And it'll be reminiscent of the first like five years of our church where I wore flip-flops like every Sunday. Um, don't know, not sure why, but um, it's it just one of those things of we, we knew starting this church that there were so many people out there that I would run into them as we canvassed the area. When we did the seminary paper researching the area of planting a church here, so many people you would talk to would say, well, I, I just, I don't have, I don't really have clothes to wear to church. It was like, well, what are church clothes? It, uh, that's not really a big deal. You wear whatever you want to. If you want to wear a suit, wear a suit. If you want to wear shorts, I don't care. You know, I like one pastor said, I asked him, what's the dress code at your church? And he said, our dress code is just please do. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's good enough. Okay. Um, just go with that. Uh, so that that's kind of the thing. And so I'm just, it's, it's a little throwback nostalgia this morning and not letting go of the beach. But um, I appreciate Tony and, and him filling in for me short notice last week. And uh, I, I know some of you moved here because you're like, man, I want to go down south. And I love the southern drawl and the country talk. And so I gave you some of that through Tony last Sunday. It's a little, little different. I'm, I know I've got it, but, you know, Tony's got a little bit more of that. But I, I learned so much from him. Uh, Tony's teaching is solid, and that's when I'm not here. It's like there's there's guys in here that can teach that are just solid guys, and so I appreciate him. I learned uh, from him last week that karma is a bad girl. Okay, so so just if if you if nothing else, I got that out of it. I'm just kidding. Um, it's a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff, but. Um, Today is is kind of a throwback because I'm going to go back to something I talked about at the turn of the new year, and then we got into a series about small groups, and today I'm going to talk about small groups a little more, or just kind of introduce you to the vision of what could be, and I, we didn't have uh, service back then on, the, on that New Year's weekend, uh, turn of 2017-18, and so we did a video message that I did from here, and I know all of you watched it. I even had some deacons like, video, what video, okay? Um, so I know not everybody heard that, so I'm going to go back to that to introduce us to this, and then we're going to move headstrong into a lot of teaching through the small group season, which will start in August, um, and, and just talking about small groups and the importance of this. Because when we started our church, which it's awesome, we're going to have uh, an anniversary service coming up at the Tomato Festival. They've given us the Sunday morning service at the Tomato Festival, so we'll be there that Sunday morning. I think it's the 29th. Um, you'll have to get up a little earlier. Some of you that roll in at 11 here, you know, even though we have a 1045 service, some of you are like, what? 1045? Okay, it's at 930 is what I've been told. It was at 9, and I pushed. I, I bought you 30 minutes, okay? So... 9.30 that Sunday morning, we'll be having our service there. There will be some stuff for kids up to through preschool. We'll have a classroom uh, set up in one of the buildings there. So we'll have our, our kind of normal thing and do our service there. But that's the first public service we ever had was at the Tomato Festival. So this is kind of a an anniversary thing to go back there and do that. And... Um, and so going back to how we started, because the first thing we did here is not have a, a service like this. We did the Acts 2 small groups. You know, they gathered in temple courts, large group stuff, settings like this, but then they gathered in homes, small group stuff. 
and at Brady and Cena's house was our original campus. We did small groups for six months before we ever had our first service. And actually longer than that because we had a year at Coryton where we had a small group there at their church that helped us get started, uh, that we were there learning how to come here and do this. And so um, theirs was their house was the original campus. So small groups are, are part of who we are as well. It's not just Sunday morning. If you're just getting Sunday morning, you're missing really more than probably 75, 80% of the Christian life that you would get in small groups. It's just, it's another level uh, altogether. Um, Community is just important. It's, we're called to be a community of believers who impact our community and communities around the world wherever we're called. If you remember that, when we got into the Even So series. And if we're committed to God, then we're committed to each other as well. Okay? The the church community, and we're committed to reaching the community we're in and wherever God calls us. Okay, that's just part of what you sign up for when you become a Christian, is you become a part of a family, the family of God, and we're committed to each other, and, and we're committed to being ambassadors for Christ. We're We'll read a scripture here at the end that talks about how we need to to grab hold of that which we were grabbed hold of for, okay? Because there's purpose behind why we were saved. And the ultimate goal is not to have a great church on Sunday mornings and have lots of people show up once a week. That is not the goal of church. Is it nice? Yeah, that's just a a byproduct of what happens when you're reaching people is to, to... this starts filling up because people get this part of it too. But that's not the ultimate goal. That's good, but it's just the tip of the iceberg to get people in seats here on Sunday mornings. That's really thinking too small. I'm going to challenge some of you because I I know a lot of people, it's the goal. Like, I'm all for that. Like, I'm, I'm I'm not degrading what you're saying. Yes, let's fill up the seats here on Sunday mornings. That's the, just a byproduct of spiritual growth and reaching people and inviting people, which we should be doing, okay? But it's really thinking too small to, to just think of here only and having people here on Sunday mornings. Uh, and you think, well, that's a big enough task as it is. Marty, I've been trying to even just stay healthy and on an eating plan. How can I do something that big and, and, and think even bigger than that, Right? And and maybe that's the answer is that you're just trying to do things on your own. Sure, you pray for God to make you thinner, younger, faster, better, whatever it is. But but that's just our plan and trying to get God to do what we want him to do. And we just need to be obedient in some areas. And it would work. Okay, what what if God wants to do something in you? That's just bigger than what we've been thinking. And this goes back to when we first planted this church because we wanted to be a church plant that planted churches that that it went so far beyond us. Not just that raised up people in the church that could lead worship or, or do ministry, but that we would be a church not calling other churches, hey, do you have a youth pastor that could come here and be our youth pastor? But but we would be the church that people were calling saying, hey, do you have 
people you can send out to us because people have grown and raised up to the point that they're going out even as missionaries. What if it's bigger than all that? What if we submitted to what God wants and let Him do that through us? And if we just looked into God's Word and saw His priorities, this morning is a lot about just seeing God's priorities and shifting our priorities to His priorities. Because I think we're thinking way too small. And when you sit on the beach, it's easy to go, I'm really small, God's really big. And if I'm going to be a part of what He's a part of, it's really big. And it's probably bigger than what I'm thinking. And it's just being obedient and letting Him work those things in us as we're obedient and doing the working out part. My favorite passage in all of Scripture, I know some of you, we've been here for 16 years, Marty, we know it's Philippians chapter 2. Okay, Philippians chapter 2, let's read that together and just see where it takes us. I, I don't have a lot of, this morning it's not a lot of breakdown expository, I'm going to look at every verse, but it's just, I want you to get the picture of what God is trying to do and just, again, shift our vision from our small thinking to his big thinking, okay? And this is just a starting point because this is the place where it talks about working out some things and and how we just step out in faith and then he changes some things in us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 14 goes like this, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, some of you need some of that, you're looking for that, okay, this is going to, this is, you need to as as you read stuff like this. I know I said I won't break all this down, but listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna read this stuff, when you read this, and because there's so many of us that go, I'm not spiritually where I'd like to be. Uh, how many of you? I've asked this question before. How many of you would say, "Man, I want to know God better than I do now. I want to be spiritually further ahead than I am now, but I seem to struggle getting there. I don't. I can't. It just seems like I can't move forward spiritually." How much? Of, many of you would say, "I'm not where I wish I was." Right? All of us would. I mean, if those of you who are Christians would say, yeah, okay, maybe that if you're not a Christian, maybe it gives you hope to go, well, it, they even struggle to know. And, to, you know, it, it's a thing of if there's so when you read this stuff, you go, if there's any encouragement in Christ, man, I need some encouragement because I'm not where I want to be. Well, let, let's pay attention to what it says coming up. Therefore, if there's any encouragement, we're going we're gonna to probably hear how that works. If there's any consolation of love, fellowship of the Spirit. Doesn't all this sound great? Any affection and compassion. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind. What what does that mean? Well, we've all got our own... I'm not trying to belittle you, okay? Because some of you are going to take it that way. We've all got our little dreams, right? A house on the beach. I'd like to just stay down there, get a house on the beach, and just have a dog and jog every day on the beach and just build sandcastles with the kids until they leave us, right? I mean, we all have our, our little our little dream, and that's a little dream. That That's an insignificant dream. What's that worth? When At the end of everything, what's that worth? So we all have these little dreams, but make my joy complete by being of the same mind. There's a goal all of us should have that is very significant, that's bigger than all that, because if we're like-minded in Christ, He gives us what that dream is, and He lays it out very clearly. 
maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. So that's what we need to focus on is God's purpose. That fixes all the other areas in your life. Okay, and you say, oh, so all my problems go away. No. Okay? I should say it fixes you in all the other areas of your life. Okay? It, it fixes you because circumstances may not change, but you become more filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control in the midst of all that. That's the working in part that we'll get to in a minute. It, it, it fixes all that. It even fixes your marriage. Like if you're having marriage problems, you know what the problem is? is you've got little dreams and you're both focused on your own little dreams. If you would both be focused on God and His purposes, then you guys are moving closer together because you're both moving toward Him. If you've got dreams out here that are different from each other, then you're moving apart towards those dreams. And when I, I'm getting into marriage stuff again, but this is this is the stuff I, if you know me, the relationship stuff is huge for me. But it's like two people that are dating, they're they're moving through life, and and maybe they ended up at the same college or whatever. They intersect at one point, and they think, oh look, we've come together, and we have so much in common. But they've got dreams that are out here that are different, and eventually they start moving apart again. Okay. But if their lives are focused on Christ, when they meet and come together, it's just more together. And two, two separate lines headed towards the same point just get closer and closer together instead of towards different dreams. I mean, Nikki and I, we overlook... What, let me back up. She overlooks <laughs> so many things in me because she's so because she's focused on Christ, and that's her her great purpose out here. So I get a lot of slack, okay? And and it's a lot easier on me because we're both focused on Christ. So when I fail to take out the garbage or or I don't do something that was on that honeydew list or whatever, or I, I, I was just so celebrating all the way here because she texted me at home this morning and said, hey, if you, can you look around the bathroom and find this earring and bring it to me? Normally, I would walk out of there and forget that earring, but I was celebrating all the way here going, I've got the earring. <laughs> it's like, it's going to be a good morning, okay? But we get so much, our marriage is so much better, and we overlook all that stuff because we know our ultimate goal is Christ and His purpose and reaching people in the community. And I, So we go, we can look over our stuff. It's not that big a deal. In the grand scheme of things, it just makes all that stuff look smaller. And it fixes a lot of things between us because we know our, both our goals is Christ, okay? So let's keep going. So that, But that relates to us as a family, too, of believers. We can overlook a lot of stuff between each other when we know the goal is Christ. Like Ken and I may have some differences, but we, I know his motive and his goal is Christ and glorifying him and reaching people for Christ. So no matter what we disagree on, right? Brady gets on my nerves sometimes, and I get on his nerves. It's the same for all of us, right? We have things about each other, right? And I can tell when I'm getting on Brady's nerves, and he doesn't care when he's getting on mine, okay? But it's it's just one of those things, okay? And But we know the goal is Christ, and so we help each other move toward that instead of moving towards my little dream, Right? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's a tough one, isn't it? 
So here's here's how this, because in a minute it's going to talk about working it out while God works it in. Stuff like this, what we're getting ready to get into, this part right here, you go, man, how in the world do I do that? You work that, you, you do the outward expression of that, okay, with, with a heart, a motive of going, it's bigger than me, I want to be united with my fellow brothers in Christ, united in the same spirit, same mind. I want to experience that. I want to have encouragement in Christ. So I'm going to act in a way that considers others more important than myself. And what you'll find is God will start to work in you a joy in doing that. Because you may not like it at first. But I don't want to give up that seat. But I don't want to favor this person over me. I don't want to give up that for somebody else. I, I I want this for me. I don't want to be the last one in the good old Baptist food line at the potluck dinner. I want to be the first one in line, right? But but we st- and that's just small examples, right? But it's I, I you start putting other people's agenda ahead of yours, and if you'll just act, just do it, even though you don't like it, eventually God starts working in you, and the Holy Spirit starts giving you joy in doing that, and all of a sudden you're like, it's it's like me and Tony. I just man, there's times I want to outserve Tony because so, Tony's such a servant, right? I'm like, he's trying to take joy away from me by serving more than me. And, and we start trying to outserve each other, right? And, and that becomes, but with humility in mind, regard one another as more important than shuts. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That's not what he was trying to grab hold of. He was trying to leverage who he was for others, right? But emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, there's the incarnation, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient, even obedient to the point of death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue confess. Of those who are, on, are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? You see how that works? And I heard a guy talking this week, and because you look at that and you go, okay, so to lower myself, God exalts that. Okay? I was listening to a guy, sorry, talk about spiritual gifts and how, like, somebody like me, like, I don't I don't think when, I agree with him on this, because he said, he made this statement, um, this is a, this, because of, like, in all respect to Billy Graham, okay, but Billy Graham probably won't be sitting at the right hand of, of the Father, right, or left hand, or whatever it is, you know, first will be last, last will be first. Guys like me that's got to be up front and people go, oh, look, you know, his teaching was okay. You know, whatever it is, it, it all that stuff. He, he talked about how the people that will, will be up front will be, not that there's all this ranking and stuff, like it's, it's just kind of strange, but he was talking about how it's guys like that will be these exalted people. It's, it's the lowest we so underestimate what we we do for people and in the church and immediately to my mind i don't want to raise people up in here but 
immediately to my mind, I went, it's like Marcia. Way above me. Way above me. I get a pat on the back every now and then. People see things that I do. I get my encouragement, you know. But there's all this behind-the-scenes stuff that that people do, like Randy and Gilda. And so there's, I could start naming all these names, and Lois and Terry. Like, there's all these people that just, they're not up here in the eyes of the church and what goes on. But I think that's the way it'll be. Because we underestimate the value of what we do. Because we think certain spiritual gifts are just like teaching or whatever is more important than maybe hospitality. And like Brady and Cena, the reason that home group started there, there's, it was like, you had to take a crowbar to get people out of their house to go start another small group because of their gift of hospitality. Like you just don't want to, you just don't want to leave. Like you just want to, you want to be there, Right? Let's, let's continue on so we can get through this today because I may hang out there too long. Verse 12, So then, my beloved, just as you, you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. This is Paul talking to the church at, at Philippi. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. You work the outward, but you be obedient. You go, I believe in Christ. He, I believe in God. He knows better than I do, so I'm going to do it His way. So when I approach Scripture and it says I'm going to put others more important than myself and consider them more, then I just I, I just go with that even though I don't like it. So I'm going to work that out by being obedient, knowing better things are to come down the road because of it. I just I just do that. And then God will work in me what needs to be worked in me to get the blessing of that. Okay? He starts, it, it just helps change my heart, right? Work out, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at, at work in you. There's that part. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. There's no way in the world I can just get expository on that one and say, here, let me explain that, okay? Just do all things without grumbling and complaining, okay? Just knock it off, okay? so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Do you see this? If you will simply do all things without grumbling and complaining, look what he says will happen in, in your life. Do, just If you'll just do that, you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. All I got to do is start just doing everything without grumbling and complaining among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that the, in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice of service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Okay? Isn't that beautiful? And it seems so simple. And we make it so complicated. Great purpose, great unity, great joy because of having faith in God to work out what he wants in our lives. And so 
What does he want? Just like the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, the series we just finished, uh, thinking of Abraham, not knowing where he was even going, is what it talks about. Not knowing, he's like, okay, I'm yours, God. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you where to go here in just a little bit. But not knowing who, where he was going, even really understanding the plan, he just had faith in God and he did as he was supposed to and had an eternal Im- impact on the kingdom, okay? Impacted generations all the way to us, okay? He invested in a legacy, not just longevity for himself. And I've gotten in so much trouble in the past for using this word legacy. And I'll just say it's because people don't understand what legacy means, okay? So they think it's some kind of selfish me, make myself great. Longevity is about me. Legacy is about something else that's good for other people, okay? God... There's a there's a, leg, a a legacy there that God wants for us. Abraham invested in a legacy, not just longevity for himself. Legacy impacts generations to come. Okay, doing good for others so that the impact lasts a long time. And literally for us, the legacy is a legacy that is Jesus. It's His legacy. Okay, it's a it's a gospel legacy. It's the legacy of Jesus eternally. Longevity is me trying to do things great for myself that prolongs my life and and makes much of me and so that I last a long time. I want to do things so that Jesus is lifted up and there's a legacy of it was about him and it does good for a lot of people, not just for me. Check out Hebrews and what this chapter said back when we were going through this. So I just want to read through this because it was a big part of what we just came through, but it speaks to where we're going. Hebrews 11, 1 through 16. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. And, and the reason I'm reminding you, to you of this is because what we're calling you to is to act in a way in faith in God, even though it's just hard for us, even though we don't want to, because it's things in the future we're hoping for, right? The conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Talking about God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God, about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeying by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself 
Jesus received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man and him as good as dead as that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, not having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. Remember, they're looking forward to the cross. We look back to the cross. Okay? So they're going, they didn't even get to see Christ. They didn't get to see this Messiah come that was promised, this salvation. But their faith in what was to come is the same as our faith in what has happened. Okay? That's how they get salvation. It's a faith in God. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, the desire they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And I, I just... I know there's heaven coming for those of you here who believe that there's a hope of, a, of things to come that are better. We know in the end, it's all going to be great, even if this life isn't. But I believe there's things that God has prepared for us even here that we can enjoy, that we can have joy in and, and, and peace. And there's, there's things he can work in us that are wonderful. It's a part of that heaven coming down to us that Christ brings us through the Holy Spirit. There's things we can see and experience, like seeing someone come to faith in Jesus Christ that is just, when we grasp the big picture, is just an amazing thing that we can be a part of. And I know God has prepared for us some amazing things that are, I wouldn't say are really new, but I think God wants to give us a renewed sense, a revitalized movement of where we began in this church with small groups. Where, where we began because it's the biblical model. It's what he shows us in Scripture. Early church in Acts, meeting from house to house. I wasn't going to read this, but I'm going to read it real quick. I'm going to get Pentecostal for a second. Just read this, okay? Baptists don't follow the Holy Spirit. Y'all know that. So I'm just going to do that for a second, okay? That's all a joke, okay? That's not a doctrinal statement I'm making for the world to know, okay? Okay? But in Acts chapter 2, when you get to verse like 37, now when they had heard this, they were pierced to the heart. This is Peter stood up at Pentecost, you know, and, and preached this great sermon in, in front of everybody, and, and they're all like, and he just basically looks at them and says, um, the guy you guys just crucified was God, so you just killed God, and he came to save you from your sin, and so you literally just killed God, okay? And they're like, it says they were pierced to the heart when they heard this, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? They're like, well, then what do we do? Okay, we've royally messed up. What do we do now? Okay, they realized their sin. And he says, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of the Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise for, is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's us. He's talking about us back then. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day... 
there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves, listen to this, continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That's not Kool-Aid and cookies in the church fellowship hall, okay? We don't have one of those, unless kind of, okay? Fellowship is something much deeper. When we talk about fellowship, it's, it's, a, it's a family word. It's a, it's a ministering to one another. It's, a, it's that doing life together kind of thing, okay? Teaching into fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all, the, all things in common. And they began selling their property and their possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Just house to house, living together as a community of believers. Okay? And... even all the way up to today and the underground church around the world to right here in the United States, there's places in the world, the underground church, the small groups, these churches just, that are just basically all small groups because they can't even really gather together because they would all be killed if they gathered together and were found. That church is bigger than what our minds conceive of mega churches even in the United States. Like I've told you this before, there's a guy in the United States that's, that has planted more churches through small groups and is the largest church in the United States, but nobody knows who he is, really. They're just now catching on to this and what he has done because there's like hundreds of thousands of people in small groups through this multiplying movement that he's, he's initiated, that God initiated through him, okay? Can't remember his name right offhand right now. See, that's, that's just, he's, he, it's not like he's some guy you go online and find, really. But the staff and I here, I know as we have talked and we've talked about it and prayed a lot through it and talking and studying about church and where we're at and what we're doing, it's, it's what we do all the time. It's part of our job, thinking about where God wants us to go. And so today is a place we've come to and want to hopefully share with you effectively so that you would also begin to dream with us and shift from small thinking to big thinking. And, and thinking about what God could do through your life on a bigger scale and have this legacy of, of helping so many people and seeing Jesus reach so many more people, what he wants to do through you. And, and, and it's part, the biggest part of that is through the local church. And it's going to be through the church until Jesus comes back, okay? It's biblically the way God has designed you to serve your greatest purpose in life is through the local church. That's just a biblical purpose, okay? We here at this church see such great potential in everybody here. We know what can happen when people of the local church together put Jesus above everything else and start saying, I'm going to invite people, I'm going to invest in being a part of a small group, and I'm, I'm going to serve and I'm going to do the things that the local church is trying to do. And I'm going to be a part of that wholeheartedly above anything else I'm doing. And that's a, that's a big call. You're sitting here going, Marty, that's, I don't know. Well, little dream or, or big purpose, whatever you want to have.
okay? And your frustration with not going further in your spiritual life is, is, is part of that, okay? I, I just know what can happen. We saw, we've seen it happen. I mean, if you were here, some of you have been here from the beginning or five years into it, and you go, we saw it happen. And, the, and it was amazingly wonderful, okay? There's, listen, through you, God can change the eternal destiny of somebody else. And, and there's, there's nothing more important than that. Nothing. And God will use all the little pieces, parts of us together to help you reach that person. There's nothing more important than that. Really, there's nothing more important. If you can tell me something more important than that, greater purpose for your life, something more valuable you could do, then email me, call me, whatever, come see me. Um, tell me what's more important you can do with your life than be an ambassador for Christ. To know Him and love Him and make Him known to as many people as possible. So through you being simply hospitable, opening your home to a small group, using your leadership, discipling other people. Just these kind of things. We see the potential for groups of believers rising up all over this county, even into parts of East Tennessee. I so see this, guys. Like, like It's so amazing what could happen. I'm just telling you. In East Tennessee, maybe I'll, I, there's just, just this, and it's not just a vision I have, okay, or an understanding I have. There's other pastors I hang out with around here and that I know that I talk to that see it, all the, this, this line all the way up to Middlesboro, okay? And, and we are dreaming and looking for God to give us the steps of faith to move on. I've, I'm specifically meeting with a couple other pastors, one this coming week and one in like three weeks, that, that, that we, about partnering and let's let's go let's just start moving. Let's go to Claiborne County, let's go to Hancock County, let's start making efforts and taking that step and just see what happens. And let's do it together. Okay? Now and, and I'm just asking you to pray that this would be something we could do in cooperation, even with these other churches. It just would be so amazing. Some things we know are a part of this plan. And some things we don't. We know there's a movement of reaching people that God wants to initiate, okay, through a revitalized small group strategy that has been seen through the Bible over and over and over from the early church in Acts. And it's the way you see the church spread so rapidly and so many people reached, okay? And it's still the way it's happening most effectively today, okay? It's not some old method. It's not some difficult method. Mission-minded, multiplying, reaching out small groups. That's what it is, okay? The leadership has to see the dream and has, has to see this, okay? We, we have to collectively see this and be committed to, to just shepherding these groups and going towards this multiplying movement. There are some of you sitting here this morning, and you're like, man, I've... Some of you have been here 15 years, five years, five months, five weeks. Some of you are like, this is my third time visiting or, or whatever, okay? 
there's people online that are going to listen that are might be listening on Facebook Live or whatever, and and maybe you're you live in in a local community. Maybe you live around here, or you live in one of these communities we're talking about, or communities we haven't even thought about. Okay, and and maybe you live in one of those areas we need to reach out to. Okay, more than fill seats here. I would love to fill homes, businesses, shops. We're in East Tennessee. Barns, okay? Under a tree. I don't care. Wherever. I would love to fill communities with small groups. So so leadership development will be vital to this. And maybe you're sitting here and going, I haven't been here long, but I'm interested. I'm interested. I'm interested in hosting. Maybe I can learn how to facilitate a group. Maybe I can... I, I, I just want to know how this might happen and I want to be a part of it. And and so I'm just asking you, you know, it's this, it's this thing in church. We it, we struggle with it. We I'm just going to tell you, Rita and I and Nikki, and we, we all struggle with this in trying to recruit people to do stuff. So it's like you can put up all the sign-up sheets you want out there, but unless I go to you and go, Jonathan, would you go come over here with me and let's go sign one of these sheets? It's like pulling teeth to get people, like, sign up, okay? But it's like if we don't contact you individually, it's like we have to send a hitman to get you to do something, okay? It's like, okay, Rita, start calling everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like unless we personally invite you. But here's what I'm saying. Take some initiative and be like, man, I want to be a part of that. I'm going to email Marty. I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to call him. I'll sit down and have lunch with however many people I need to, as long as you're buying. And we... We will work through this, okay? If we had a bigger budget, I'd buy, okay? Or if I personally had a bigger budget, I'd buy. Okay, but here's the thing. Take some initiative and just contact and say, I want to I want to be a part of that. I want to do that. I, I know I've only been here three or four times, or I know I've only been here five weeks or five months or five years or whatever it is. Or, man, I used to be involved back when we were doing that before, and I want to do that again. I, I want to be a part of that. I want to op- open that door again. And so there's got to be discipleship in these groups. It's another thing we've looked at and throughout our church and to build a church stronger and keep us focused on this plan. So that we're going to come out with some intentional discipleship stuff for you guys, okay? I want to formalize that in our small small groups and make it a priority, okay? And I even want to take some steps. I'm going to be, I am going to doorstep, okay, I talked to Randy this morning about starting to call him Guido and sending him out to get people. Okay, um, it's another. It's, there has to be an '80s reference in there. Okay, I can't say where that name came from though. Okay. Um, anyway, so there's my mind sidetracked. But here's the thing: I'm going to be calling a lot of you men in this church, and I'm going to say I want to sit down with you for a period of time, every other week or whatever it is, and disciple. We're going to do that together. Do you want you want in on this? Because I think when and this was a statement made by another pastor to me though, as I've talked about this, try to figure out how to do this. When the men in the church rise up, the whole church rises up. And I want to call you to that. And maybe I failed at doing that in the past. We've always had great men in our church that teach in the back. For most of our church life, I don't know how it is now. I know there's still a lot of men that. There's guys back there this morning serving in the children's stuff. There was a t- there was a time when all of our main teachers, or most of them, let's say this, a majority of our main teachers to our kids back here on Sunday morning were men. 
amazing. Okay? That's real men. That's what we do is we take care of our families. We serve. We do what we lead the church, even our kids. Okay? Not just adult stuff. Okay? So I want to I, I want to get into discipling some of you guys, and let's go for it. And we know it doesn't take a lot of money for this to happen. You can do small groups. It doesn't. What does that cost you? Open up your home. Have a small group. Groups can be planted. Churches can be planted out of that. And a legacy of churches and great reach and longer generational impact will happen instead of just the longevity of our church. But can you imagine it's this spreading and there being churches that just flourish from here all the way up to Middlesbrough to wherever. Another pastor may take it in another direction, but us going together and doing this stuff. It can, it can happen. I'm okay. I've said this before, and I don't know if you've heard this. I'm okay if I end up spent, if many generations are impacted for the cause of Christ. But if I'm preserved and comfortable for a lifetime and have not impacted generations and done what I'm supposed to do for Christ, then what have I done? What, what have I done? And, and so I've got in my notes here just asking this question. Is anyone in this room with me on this? In two weeks... I'm going to have to really get press Rita, which I know is not a good time, probably, but, and and get, I'm, I'm with her, to, to get small group sign-up sheet out here in two weeks, and you guys, I would love to see there be eight different small groups up there, out there of people hosting, and just say, this is where we're going. We're, we're going to start hosting, we're going to lead, we're going to multiply small groups. We need those who have been a part of it in the past and opened up your home, those who need to step up and lead for the first time, and you go, well, I don't have a really nice home to do that. And I don't care. Nobody really cares. I'm, you don't have to have, like, this perfect home to, lead, to have a small group in. It's not about that. We'll even find another place to have it if you're just willing to do it, okay? And you can even just ask a couple people that you know to say, hey, we're gonna, I, I'm going to start meeting at our house and do this. Or it can start with, hey, we're going to have a cookout on Wednesday night. You want to come over and hang out, and we'll just have a cookout, and then, we can teach you how that can lead to developing a small group with your friends and in your area, okay? We need people hosting, leading that have not done this before and people who have done it before to just step up once again. Could you, and just the possibilities for this. Some of you may be, hey, I need a couple of you to go with me to Hancock County on whatever night and we're going to start a small group over there or Claiborne County or whatever it might be, Okay? Since the beginning of the year, I've been challenging all of us to dream with this. Dream and then multiply that dream by 100 and tell us those dreams, those visions of what, he's, of what God wants to do with your life. So email, call me, that kind of thing. I want to know your input on this and what you're willing to do. And let's get ready for a time that fulfills the dream God has for us here at the church at Rutledge. And don't let this be another journey with God that passes you by and you miss what you were created for and you sit around frustrated in your spiritual life. Just jump in there. Grab hold of that which you were grabbed hold of for. Philippians 3.12, Paul said this, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. A lot of you relate to that. You go, see, he's going, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I don't even, you're sitting there going, I can't teach the Bible. I'm not asking you to like, 
be the most theologically sound and have a seminary degree to do this. It's not about that, okay? Not that I've already obtained it, but I press on. That's what I'm asking you to do. It's just wherever you're at to press into this so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of Christ by Christ Jesus. I had a roommate in college from Danville, and every time I read this, I hear his voice going, he would say, if there was a rope, he'd say, catch hold of that for me. I'm like, catch hold? What does that mean? Okay, so when I read this, I hear, catch hold of that which Christ catch hold of you for. Okay? If you're a Christian, Christ didn't lay hold of you so you could have a comfortable life and die insignificant, because that's what that becomes. You're a missionary in this world if he's caught hold of you. It isn't just me, the pastor, church planner type guy. You're all church planners. You just have different roles in it. Over the next few weeks, we'll be teaching more on small groups and relationships here to prepare us for what's to come. So right now, let's just pray together as we close, and they're going to come back up and sing again. But let's just pray. Father, thank you. I thank you that we're just not left to be dependent on our own dreams and goals and that be it, but that your word clearly spells out this great purpose for our life that is just so incredible. The picture of who we're to be, the things we're to do, the priorities in our life is so clearly spelled out in your word. So we're so thankful for your word. May may hearts and minds be open to what you have said today. Father, may your Holy Spirit go beyond the words that I speak and do what I can't do. I, I don't have the power that you have, Father. So we're asking you to penetrate those hearts and minds. Father, for us to be in community with other believers, ministering to each other, caring for one another, encouraging each other, being missionary in our communities. May this push us for more small groups multiplied beyond our belief. Father, I pray that you would awaken many people in this room, in this building, online. I urge them to, to respond to the call to this multiplying small group movement that you have laid out in Scripture. Would you just raise up leaders? Father, would you open doors in, in communities around us where you want us to go and where you want us to be? So I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.